Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. Today, we're going to discuss ancient wisdom and modern approach. We're going to bridge the gap between traditional and cutting edge healing modalities. Just a little disclaimer before we get started, what we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the recommendations is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So this episode was sponsored by Cellcore Biosciences. Creating supplements that work is what they do, and restoring hope and health is who they are. I actually work for the company now, and um, I still do the Wellness Trinity. That's why we have this podcast going on. Um, But I wanted to make sure I highlighted one of the supplements, which they're all incredible, but biomolecular oxygen, many of you guys have uh, heard me talk about this, is probably one of my most favorite supplements. And the reason, and for those of you guys on Instagram Live, this is what we're talking about. The reason is because it does so many things. First of all, our body is mostly oxygen. It's about 65 to 68% oxygen. And a lot of times we have infections and other types of situations in our body where we're robbed of oxygen. And it it greatly affects our mental capacity and our energy and our overall health in general when we don't have enough oxygen. So this is a stabilized form of oxygen. I highly recommend you Mm -hmm. try it. And that's my little belief about Cellcore Biosciences. If you'd like to learn more about their protocol, visit thewellnesstrinity.com slash Detox. Now, I have Tracy on the show here, Tracy Stonaker, and she is a recovering raw vegan. Tracy learned pretty quickly that every person is un- unique and fad diets are not the answer to healing. By integrating the mind style and lifestyle wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda, plus the science of functional medicine and modern day technology of proprietary formulations, she has been able to holistically overcome her own health challenges and is passionate about helping others do the same. With over two decades of experience, it's all about Sanskrit without the fluff. And she leverages her experience in detoxification, epigenetics, and personalized product protocols to optimize immune function and increase energy production via habit hacking courses, personalized plans, unorthodox experiences, and so much more. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you, dear. It's so good to be here. And yes, so, oxygen is one of my favorites. So love it. Yes, yes. Yeah, I actually asked you before we started, what is your favorite one? And you mentioned the oxygen. And I thought, you know what, why not share that one? Because it's, I would say it's probably my mine as well at this point. It's good. <clears throat> so you have an incredible healing story as well as like the most most of us that come <laughs> in this, um, you know, in this path and either us or someone that we know has one. And so I'd love to hear more about what you went through. You said you were recovering raw vegan. I mean, what, what was that all about? Well, you know, we all have different points on our journey that lead us to the next level, right? So um, I found myself in an abusive marriage and 
my coping mechanism was how do I make myself as healthy as possible, even though I'm in the midst of all this toxicity, to to do the very best that I could. I've been practicing yoga for over 25 years, and it was just this natural progression. And of course, I fell into raw food, did it for about four or five years, mind y'all. I live in Chicago, and at the same time studying Ayurveda and the principles of Ayurveda, like increases like, opposites balance each other. I was cold all the time, but I was taking in a lot of these cold foods. I was also losing too much weight. I was spacey as could be. And if you think about the quality of raw food, it's very light and very cold, right? And I was like constantly putting this into my body when it was my, you know, polar vortex that's going on here. And I didn't understand because I was like, but this is supposed to be healthy. Well, it's healthy in the summer, but not necessarily something that you can endure through the winter. So I started integrating more cooked foods and oh, immediately started feeling better. My adrenals started functioning better. I wasn't as tired all the time. I made better choices to actually get out of an abusive marriage. And, you know, life has just been progressively getting better and better ever since. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm with you in the fact that I, I started a lot with the raw foods and I love them. You know, right now the seasons are changing and I'm noticing that uh, I'm gravitating more toward those raw foods again. Now in the winter, I still did a lot of juicing. Um, so it wasn't like I didn't do anything. Um, but I do find, and I, and I, I did study at a holistic institute that was all about raw foods. Okay, right, so this right. is the background that I come from. I know you know that. Um, but for the audience that doesn't know that, um, I mean, I was in it, I was doing it. And for two and a half years, I was a vegan and I, you know, just try to do the, the raw food as much as possible in that because of what I learned at Hippocrates. Now, I do believe that there's a lot to be learned from, from Hippocrates. Um, but I knew something like you when I went home, um, and I was in California at the time and, um, I was freezing, I was freezing in the winter and, you know, I don't have a lot of body fat and <laughs> right. I'm at my mom's house at the time and there's these high ceilings, granite floors. And I, I just, I, I was like, I can't, I can't eat like this. Like I, I, I knew my body was getting cold as well. And how is that going to make me healthy when? And, you know, when I'm freezing, mm -hmm. your body's not going to be very healthy when you're freezing. So for a prolonged period of time, I know there's cryotherapy and all that. So, <laughs> but to be in that right. situation all the time is not a good situation. So I, well, and it's anything in the extreme, right? Right. So we, we use these modalities of eating as, as, as a form of medicine at the time, but sustainably, it's almost like when you look at the keto, that's a really extreme diet. And I tried that and, of course, failed miserably. Um, I gained 10 pounds the first, like, sec the second month I was in. And I was like, I felt horrible. So it's like, you know, I've been my own guinea pig along the way. And I studied raw nutrition for two years. So it was like, no, I'm going to do this. This is the greatest. Sprouting, soaking, fermenting, everything. So when you look back, it's like, oh, God, I just took it too far, right? So, and I feel like for those of us that are practitioners and are on this health journey, we are our biggest guinea pigs. So I learned really the tough way. So not to go too extreme, but to just stay the course. And, you know, one of the biggest um, aspects of Ayurveda is living in tune with nature. So what's going on around you, whatever you need is abundantly in front of you. Mm -hmm. So if you're in a cold environment, 
the foods that you need are going to be there. You just have to seek them out. And that doesn't mean going to the grocery store and getting the same thing that you would eat the summer. So, you know, we've gotten a little accustomed to being able to eat the same food year round without the idea of changing the diet in accordance to the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a huge lesson for me. Yeah, yeah. So what is Ayurveda? So Ayurveda is the traditional medicine science from India. So it's about 10,000 years old. Um, And basically the word itself means the science of life. So it's a beautiful science and it's extremely systemized and it's very personalized medicine. So the goal of Ayurveda actually is to be preventative. It's not, but yet they still talk about disease and there's still the treating of disease, but the goal of Ayurveda is if you're living in tune with, with the nature, that's how my teacher always says it, the nature, then you're going with the flow. And anytime that you go against that, you come up to resistance and we all know what that looks like, right? That's um, uh, stomach upset, that's migraines, that's um, fibromyalgia, whatever it is that you, your, ten, your tendency is towards. So it's a beautiful science that talks so much about lifestyle. You know, go to bed when it's dark, get up when it's light, (laughs) you know, very simplistic, but yet pretty complex. Yeah. Beautiful. Right, right. And so you had mentioned before when we were talking that about how the diets can vary, you know, depending on the constitution of the type of person. Um, Can you break that down a little bit? The kapha, the pitta, the vata, and what is what I'm missing? No, that's it. Those are the three. Oh, there's only so, three. Oh, there's no, only three. <laughs> You're probably thinking of um, when we look at um, the elements, the five elements, right? I was thinking there were four. That's why I don't oh. know where I got four from. But okay, I do remember something of what I learned in my school. <laughs> oh, good. Good job. See, we do retain something. Right. <laughs> I, didn't, um, I didn't study that too much, though. And so you just opened the whole can of worms for me when I met you. So the way that it works is, I mean there's so much philosophy behind the doshas and we call them the doshas. That's what they're, they're, they're the Sanskrit word is for constitution. Um, constitution doesn't exactly describe what this means, but it's kind of a word that we use simul- um, synonymously between Sanskrit and English. So we can grasp what it means, but it's your born con- like you have a born constitution. It never changes your entire life, right? So there's three doshas. There's vata, pitta, and kapha. So vata is the quality of the, they're based off of the five elemental theory, which I think most of us are pretty familiar with, air, space, um, fire, water, and earth, right? So what we've done in Ayurveda, what we've done, what they did, is they kind of combined things that were similar and created these three doshas. So between air and space, you get vata. So vata is the quality of movement, right? A fluctuation of coldness. It can be sharp if you think about space and air and the qualities of what that looks like. Then you look at pitta. And the quality of pitta is fire and water together. And pitta is transformation. So if you think about digestion, um, people that are pitta, what it looks like in a person's personality, they're pretty intense, right? Um, They're heated. Um, they're very hot. They run hot. And then you have kapha. So kapha is water and earth combined. So it's the quality of stability 
and it is grounded and it is structure and cohesiveness. If you think about those qualities, um, and then we are born with all three doshas in us to varying degrees. So you might be vata, but you might really have a strong undercurrent of pitta. So it, it, this is where it gets to be very indivi individualized medicine because when you're out of, when you are born of vata, your tendency is going to be out of balance in vata, but you can be still out of balance in kapha. And that's a different conversation. So when we look at somebody, we call them a rogi in Ayurveda. It's the person that seeks Ayurveda for treatment. Is, you know, instead of, here we call it patient or client. They're called rogi. So they come in, you check their dosha, we, we, we do assessments, and we find out their dosha. And then you look at what their complaints are, right? We do assessments like this in functional medicine and integrative medicine. Every healthcare system does this. But then we look at the environment. What season is it? What are you eating? And then how can we balance out your, your incongruencies? So once again, like increases like, opposites balance each other. So just a very simple explanation. If somebody presents with um, a tendency towards constipation, which is they're dry, right? So, and they're very light and they just, the stools are hard. So funny. I always end up every conversation talking about poop. So then, well, here. <laughs> I know. So how do we balance that, right? We balance it with food that is going to be oilier, more nourishing, and a little heavier to, to pull that energy down because they're up here, you know, and it's very erratic. So the way that we balance things out is using the opposite qualities of certain foods, certain herbs, certain spices, certain environments. So it, go, it runs the gamut. So every person is going to be different which is the fun part of it. Okay, so you mentioned that this can happen, um, this can help basically anti-age and help people to age gracefully, right? right? Right, yes. So going back to a vata constitution, the tendency is going to be towards dryness. And as we age, even the lifespan is kind of broken down into the doshas, like you're, we're born kapha. I mean, we're born these, globular things that don't really get to move much on our own, right? We require help and, and we're kind of sturdy and building fat, right? And then we move into a pitta stage of life where we're procreating, we're creating careers, we're creating um, things and manifesting things. And then you move more into the vata stage of life. So if you already are a vata and you start to move into this vata stage of life and you're already dry, then think about what can I do to balance that? Oils. Oils are golden. They're like <laughs> king in Ayurveda. We use oils a lot. So we want to be oileating the body. We want to be taking them internally, like good, healthy, nourishing oils. And so every person, an oil works better for some people and another one will work better for others. So depending on the constitution, once again, and their digestive ability, we choose a different oil and it can be put on topically. They put oil in every part of the body that you can ears, eyes, nose, mouth, anus, you know, you name it, it can go everywhere. So um, oil is, is, is like the vehicle for a lot of the medicine in Ayurveda too. So can you let us know um, if you're 
pitta or if you're vata or kapha, which oils work better with which uh, dosha? Yes. So sesame oil runs king. Um, and that can pretty much be used for most doshas. I would say um, for vata, sesame oil is the better choice. Ghee works really well too. Um, ghee can work internally for most doshas. Once again, it's going to depend on their digestive ability because ghee, which is clarified butter, um, it stimulates the digestive fire. So it helps to create an environment in the, in the stomach. You know, we talk about hydrochloric acid and, and the pH of the gut and the, and, the, and the stomach. In Ayurveda, it's called the agni. So the quality of your agni is key to health, right? So vata, you could do sesame oil. Um, that's my preference. Um, there's other oils that, coconut oil to an extent, but coconut oil would be really good for pitta because it's cooling. And then a mustard seed oil would be good for kapha because it's stimulating. And we want to mm. stimulate them and get them, get them moving. Mm, they, okay. they tend to be, there, there tends to be a lot of sluggishness in kapha. So you talked about the eating with the seasons and um, how when it's cold, it's probably not best to eat cold food, right? What if you're a pitta and it's the winter? It's funny. My boyfriend is pitta and he refuses <laughs> to give up ice. And I'm like, okay, just the idea is so many people are kind of um, addicted to certain things. So we try to balance it out. If you're going to drink something cold, add a spice to it, right? So even in the summer, it's really hard for people to cool off enough. It's like add some cilantro, add a cucumber to your water. It's very cooling to the system. Um, or if you are in the winter and you're still drinking cold drinks, which we don't advise, um, <laughs> to mm -hmm. add a little bit of ginger or turmeric or something that's going to bring a little bit of energy and, and warm it up a little bit. Maybe black pepper is a great one. So, so as I know, or as I think I know, at least, because mm -hmm. this is all, like I said, a new, a whole new thing for me, mm -hmm. pretty much. Um, so, so pizza is normally more fiery. Mm -hmm. Um, but if, if, if it's the winter and it's cold, then you still suggest them doing certain things that warm their body up. Well, you just don't want to go to extreme and we don't want to aggravate. So the thing about the winter, we have to look at the, the quality of digestion in the winter is actually stronger than it is in the summer. Mm -hmm. So in our ancestrally speaking, you know, we would be eating more meats and heavier foods in the winter than in the summer, because in the summer, so much is abundant, you know, we've got things growing everywhere, they're being cooked by the sun. So it's, it's a different quality of food, versus in the winter, you know, sometimes we had to harvest things in the fall and keep them through the winter. And that was more heavier, denser foods. And then spring comes and then the greens. And like you said, you're wanting greens. Yeah, we should all be wanting like dandelion greens and microgreens right now to cleanse the liver. So once again, it's not about taking a pizza person out of their comfort zone, but it's just about maintaining. So some people can handle it. Some people can drink ice all the time and it not bother them at all. But if they start to feel something, that's when we're like, okay, maybe just take the ice out and just drink room temperature water. Whereas for like a kapha and vata person, we'd be like sip hot water throughout the day. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. it varies from person to person. So it's, it's one of those things. It's like, well, if you're having digestive issues, 
then we look at the dosha. What are you eating? Um, what time of day are you eating is almost more important than what you eat. So that's a whole nother. Let's talk about that. So <laughs> how does that affect each dosha, the time that you eat? So we go back to the idea of the, of the nature. And if we follow the sun, our digestive fire is highest at, in the middle of the day. So in an ideal world, we're eating our largest meal at the middle of the day and eating supper, you know, going back old school, I'm from the South and we used to call it supper and you eat a light early supper. So a lot of people tend to make a big, a big lunch and then they'll eat a small portion of that same lunch for dinner. It keeps it easy, right? Less pre preparation and less uh, waste and less leftovers. So you eat a light early dinner so that your food has time to digest before you go to sleep. Mm. So you want to give yourself at least two hours, three hours before we sleep so that the body systems can work properly while you're, you know, resting. Mm -hmm. And then a light breakfast just to get you through to lunch. So the biggest, you know, the biggest player here is lunch. And it took me probably two years to, with alarms on my phone to train myself <laughs> to do this. And I, it, it made such a big difference with my digestion. It was kind of overwhelming. You know what? I, I actually can see why you would, why they would say that. Um, mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, most people, um, I, I would say most theories of health talk about not want, you know, you shouldn't eat after a certain time and all that. So that's, that makes sense, right? For most people, probably that study nutrition. Um, but even the idea of getting your biggest meal in the middle of the day when you're still moving around and you're still expending energy and you're allowing the whole rest of your day to process all that food. I mean, you're giving yourself all that extra extra time before now you're in bed and you're not doing anything. Right. So you do have that time to burn the extra calories and 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 actually process your food. And that's where snacking is is another thing that's gotten a little out of control. It's 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 one of those things. Well, if you're constantly snacking and constantly putting food in, the body is like, well, wait a minute. We've got incoming, even though we're the, the, the previous meal might still be somewhere, you know, in the small intestine moving towards the colon. They're like, wait, stop. We've got incoming. We have to take care of this. Let's push this aside and we'll come back to it. Well, you know, it's one of the reasons why so many people have so much extra weight on them. It's like constantly eating is a big problem. You're not giving your body that time to rest and digest mm -hmm. and, and actually go through the process. You're just like, okay because we can't stop the incoming because this is what's doing the incoming, right? It's the mm. mind. Oh, I have to have a cookie or I have to have chips and guac or, you know, I'll have a snack before dinner. No, it's like, okay, well then the body's like constantly working and expending a bunch of energy on mm. digestion. Yeah. So when you eat like that, you, you should find that your energy is improved. Yes. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you sleep better. Okay, that makes a lot of sense too. Yeah, because you're not trying, your body's not using all that energy to digest your food as well when you're sleeping. And it's a process to get to that. For a lot of people that um, aren't used to eating that way, you know, we we wean them off of it and we gradually get them to where, okay, if you eat enough at lunch, then you eat enough at dinner to tide you over till the next morning. And you know, intermittent fasting is a is a term that's so popular. And I was like, okay, that was that's Ayurveda from so long ago. <laughs> you know, so it's interesting how all of these modern things, neuroplasticity and 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 the circadian rhythm, 
you know, people are winning awards on this and it's been around for thousands, thousands of years. <laughs> yeah. So that's how something so old can be relevant today, right? Yeah. Oh, even more so. So the one thing about Ayurveda and all these ancient um, wisdom is it's universal truth, right? So it never, ever is not true. So it's always going to be true. These are principles that are fundamental to nature. And so if it's a truth, it's always going to be a truth, no matter what disease comes along, no matter what building that you build, no matter what toxic thing that you're exposed to, these are fundamental truths and they're universal. So we've got this gift. And I think a lot of people are realizing, you know, let's go back and see how we can use this wisdom with everything we're doing today. I mean, we've got technology that can, you know, there were things that Ayurveda could have never known or Chinese medicine could have, didn't have the words for. I mean, look at Sushumna and, and the, the vagus nerve. You know, people are talking about the vagus nerve and stimulant. I'm like, and when we talk about yoga, that's the central line of energy that runs through the body that we, we meditate on. And that is our connection to the universe, right? Sushumna. So it's, it's a tangible form of it. They didn't have those words back then. So it's just an interesting play on how it actually, to me, is becoming more and more relevant. Because once again, mm -hmm. as we've strayed from nature and our rhythm with nature, we need it more and more to come back. You know, it's mm -hmm. like coming back home. Let's like embrace right. this natural rhythm that we have and instead of resisting it, because the more that we pulled away from it, the more disease has happened. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I believed as well, too. It's, it's um, getting back to the garden is, you mm -hmm. know, I did a podcast, not a podcast, Carol's um, summit that she had. I know you were on it as well. Yeah. And, you're strong. Yeah. and um, she was like, well, what do you want to call your, your talk? And I was talking about the microgreens. And I was like, well, uh, we came up with getting back to the garden. And it really is that. I mean, we've gotten so far removed from what it really means to be a human almost. <laughs> we have. We're not even in connection with our food. How many people know where your head of lettuce came from? Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong. I like technology. I mean, we're on Zoom. We're on Instagram. We're on, uh, you know, we're doing, I would have done Facebook Live, but that didn't work just now. <laughs> and, you know, and then this is going to be on YouTube. And I mean, I utilize it all for my, our, our good too. And, and there's benefits of that. But at the same time, I mean, we have to still kind of coexist with nature as much as possible if we're going to be healthy. Right. I mean, and just to, to kind of nail that in a little more, so many times it's not about the, the evolution of, of what we're doing with, as humans. But what it is, is about how do we leverage that and maintain this mm -hmm. in its proper way? And it can be done. I mean, it can be done. It's, it's, it's just a matter of, of setting our, our mind to what's important and using that as inspiration to catapult, you know, technology further or whatever it is. Because with, I think about this all the time and I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and I'm just like, well, if you're not healthy, your business can't be healthy. Oh yeah, you know? 100%. I've been so, there. I'm sure yeah, you've been there too. Me too. Where I'm like, God, how come I don't have enough energy? And like, I need another nap. <laughs> right? Like, I, and, and you know, entrepreneurship is no joke. If you're really trying to make it, if you're, I don't, it's just trying to make it, you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're doing it as a side hustle, uh, you know, it's just something fun to do. Uh, 
that there's that's a whole nother story but if you're really trying to make it like this is your sole income i mean mm -hmm. there's a lot you got to do and you're juggling all these different things and you know you're always having to bring more ink business in and there's there's a lot to manage you know there's a lot of hats to wear uh especially at first i mean as time goes on maybe you can delegate some but no matter what you're still responsible for every single thing that goes on so you want to talk about using all these different parts of your brain that and, and your in the energy that we need to do use it. I mean, if you have parasites and gall, gallstones like I had, I mean, it's very hard to press through energy, you know, with your energy. <laughs> well, they're they're sucking all your energy out of you, right? It's like they're stealing from you what you need to perform optimally, and right. that's not. That's not cool. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like, I'm not about that. No, no, no. I don't want to yeah. give you my food. I, I didn't grow these, you know, for you. I didn't grow these microgreens to give them to you. I want them for me, right? So. Yes, you were not invited to the party, okay? <laughs> my pathogen party, yeah. There you go, yeah. So, you know, that's a whole nother side of this thing. I mean, we're what we first started talking about is all the nutrients that we need and how to properly assess that with our dosha or, or constitution um, in a more um, English term that people yeah. can probably relate to. <laughs> and, um, and so that can help us to be able to uh, absorb our nutrients more and, and be able to figure out what type of diet is best for us. And then on the other side, so that's dealing with nutrient deficiencies, right? And then the other side is dealing with this too much of a bad thing, this toxicity and these pathogens and parasites that really are like just robbing this other side mm -hmm. and so we have to deal with both i mean we have to be able to, to get um get your nutrients right and then also be able to get rid of that uh, that load that toxic load so how so does what, it, well i was gonna say the beautiful thing about ayurveda and even yoga too is there's not more or less emphasis put on the physical body as there is the mental spiritual or the soul so it's all equally important. So once again, Ayurveda is a systems-based approach versus a symptoms-based approach, which is what we're kind of used to here in a Western world. And the, the thing I love probably the most about Ayurveda, the principle is true health is not the absence of disease. And we think that that's what it is, but true health is living optimally in this vehicle that you were gifted with vitality and energy to experience everything that you possibly can experience, but with enjoyment and with content versus the constant stress and the, the drudgery of, oh, I've got to go to work and I have to go do the, you know, and it's like, well, that's toxic in and of itself. So when you look at it from the Ayurvedic, you know, all levels, if you have a toxic environment you're living in with relationships, whether it's with food or person, family, whatever it is yourself which is a lot of people that just breeds more toxins and breeds more toxicity and this is where the pathogens are like oh you're already toxic i'm coming in and hanging out and hey i'm going to call my other friends in, and we're, we're going to have a pathogen party <laughs> you know so it's like and and for so many of us we don't regularly detox mm -hmm. so the thing about ayurveda is it's very clearly laid out you should detox minimum twice a year so if you're doing that consistently, you don't need this big or, you know, event of a detox. But because most of us don't, especially at the junctures, the change of seasons, and, you know, in Ayurveda, there's Panchakarma, and that's the, the big detox um, 
system that's used and there's all these therapies and you're withdrawn from your your normal day-to-day life and you're like literally nurtured and taken care of two three weeks whatever it is that you need you're getting oil treatments and medicines and purging and all kinds of good stuff it's amazing you know but who how many of us have time to go off to India for a month you know (laughs) so we do the best with what we have this is where I love modern technology has created I mean Cellcore has the most amazing protocol and it makes so much sense and the products work and it's like okay I can't go to India for a month but I can do this for six months you know and I'm getting rid of stuff like Mm -hmm. You know, well, in what you said, the two times a year, that really should be what you do after you fully cleanse your body. Yeah. Right. Like most people need to do cell core for, I mean, that could last up to a year or maybe some people even a couple of years. Right. right? Uh, until they get back to that baseline where they're just like, okay, now I'm kind of at homeostasis and now I'm just trying to maintain myself. And then you do those cleanses that you're talking about twice a year when the seasons change, which right now is probably the perfect time, would you say? Yes, it is. It is. This is this is detox time for sure. The body wants to. If you think about um, energetically, we have built up kapha over the winter, right? Some of us gain weight in the winter. Most of us should gain weight in the winter, especially if it's cold. So we're putting on excess structure, you know, which is that kapha quality. And then summer's coming, and then we're going to get hot, and so we need to release that. And so how do we do it? We eat a ton of greens. We're eating things that are detoxifying the body and getting the liver cleared to get ready for lighter foods and greens and more fruits and vegetables that are going to be available. So the body knows what's up. <laughs> we <just laughs> we got to get out of the way. You know, this has to get out of the way. This is the biggest, uh-huh. the biggest issue. <laughs> well, there's that and not not having the education. I mean, we're not taught this or we go to school, (laughs) at least nowadays, maybe when you're, maybe people in India might learn this stuff. Um, But in general, like detoxing at all, I mean, it's, it's more of a fad uh, topic versus no, this is what you really need to do to be healthy. (laughs) You do. I mean, think about it. And the older that you are, the more exposed you are to things. None of us are immune to toxins. None of us. I, I mean, I couldn't imagine one person, I mean, maybe living in the most remote place on the planet with the freshest, cleanest water at the top of a mountain, maybe, but we all breathe the same air. And we went through an intense revolution of chemicals being used everywhere. And so we're all exposed to it and we're all breathing that in and every person's different. So some people might detoxify that pretty easily, but some people can't. And then you layer on top of that, our soil is depleted. You know, and so now our food is depleted of the the vital nutrients and these, you know, tiny little micronutrients that we need for very, very important functions in our body. And if you don't have those, then that just keeps going downstream to other issues and, you know, chronic disease and all that. So it's like, once again, I love the idea, but let's get back to growing our own food, you know, enriching our soil, have a worm farm or compost (laughs) or something, you know, to, to bring these nutrients back to the soil. I mean, look at one of the products is basically soil, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, uh, you're talking about fulvic and humic acids, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not even just one of the products. It's in all of them. All of the products. <laughs> this is true. It is. It's like the base it's probably, I think it's in this oxygen, too. Yeah, I think. Well, it's, uh, uh, humic acid, yeah. <laughs> even in the oxygen, you got the humic acid. 
but I mean, there's a reason why they're in most of the products. Mm -hmm. I mean, they help drive the nutrients to the right places in your body. They help balance it out. It's a master adaptogen. So I I didn't even really think about it in the fact, like, I mean, it is a master adaptogens help to balance our body Mm -hmm. and stress. Um, But it's the same idea as grounding. I mean, that's what dirt is doing. And so I never really thought about the idea of how they say it's a master adaptogen and we're really grounding pretty much when we're taking these products. Well, and you think about like the energy of, of, you know, just getting your hands in the dirt. You know, I live in an apartment now. I don't have a yard anymore. And last week and, you know, we're quarantined. I'm like, if there's one thing I want to do is just go in someone's yard and start digging and I'll pull their weeds. I don't really care. I just want my hands. I want my feet in the grass. I want my hands in the dirt. Um, there's something so therapeutic about that and understanding our relationship that we have with this. I mean, it's a gift that this earth grows food for us. It's a gift. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that we should take it for granted. Maybe uh, you can get your microgreens growing now. I've, I'm going to get rid of a piece of furniture right over here so that I can that's have a whole wall. <laughs> right. That's right. I remember having that conversation with you. So if you need help, let me know. But I definitely found out that I figured out through my process that dirt is the best way for those to grow, which I mean, it makes complete sense if you think about it, like, yeah. oh yeah, they like dirt over this other type of mat, um, which, you know, plants oh, like the stinky plants. mat, right? It kind of smells. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Have you done that? Use it before? I used to grow a bunch of, and the first time, first couple times it rains, you're like, ooh, it's like a, um, I can't remember what it is. It's not thatch, but it's like a, a co- it's not coconut fibers, maybe? Well, there's different types of mats. Um, the okay. ones that I was using recently are called um, jute, jute mats, Huge. or jute, they're jute fiber, which is kind of like hemp. And that one, I just realized, I'm like, I was able to get some good crops, but in general, it just wasn't working too well. Now, I, I mean, I have the, the plants in the, the soil, and then I actually put a little bit of the oxygen in the water. Mm-hmm. And my plants are just like... I mean, they are having a ball now. I'm like, I can't believe it took me this long to figure out that they prefer soil. Right, right. <laughs> so I know okay. you guys are probably all laughing at me, but you know what? They, they tell you that you could use all these different mediums and it just, uh, and through experimentation, now I realize, okay, I'm done with all the, the different types of mats and um, I use coconut core that can work okay as well too, um, but they do kind of get expensive and it's hard to cut and it's just, mm-hmm. I, I prefer the soil because they, they like soil. Who would have thought? (laughs) I have um, right now because I don't have um, good nutrients for my plants. I actually have a betta fish. And every time I change his water, I, it's a huge tank and I pour his water in all my plants. Really? So it's aquaponics. Yes. And there is a way to create that in your own home. I don't know it yet, but I can't wait to figure it out. Yeah. Where you can have fish in the water. And the plant, the roots come into the water where the fish live. And so every, it, it you know, it, it's nature 101. Okay. Now that's a whole new level <laughs> of uh, <laughs> understanding how to plant for me. You can tell me about that on another podcast. I will. I will. When I figure it out, I'll tell you about that one. Babe. <laughs> yeah. I've never thought of having a fish underneath my, my plants, but I mean, you know what? Hey, like we're supposed to coexist with nature, right? So we right. got to best we can you're in Chicago right you're in a big city uh, I mean I live a little bit more in nature now which is a blessing but I didn't always live like this and so it's like you got to do the best that you can with what you have yes and we're very fortunate like I you know like we were talking about before with technology I mean without this a lot of businesses would be gone 
you know, yeah. and the, the fact that we can still carry on and have relationships with people. And I can't stand the word social distancing. I'm like, it's physical distancing. We're still socializing, right? As best <laughs> we can. I just that is such a good way to put it. Like, You're I wish right. it was physical distancing because I, I'm, you know, we're doing Zoom parties. I had a birthday party last weekend through Zoom, you know, with people all over the country. So we do the best with what we got. Yeah. Yeah. Now, on the detox uh, note, you have a system-based detox um, that differs from a symptom-based one where you remove, repair, and regenerate, and recharge. Do you want to expand on that? Well, it's, it's basically a system that, you know, marries our, our, our detox protocol with Cellcore and overlaying my own program on top of it. So what I do is I approach things from, we have to, first of all, you have to address that there's a problem right? It's like awareness, shine that light on it. Cause then once you do, you're aware of it. And then we address it. So we actually, before you can ever have true healing, if there's something like we said earlier, taking from you and you're not getting rid of that, then you're never going to catch up and you're constantly getting more and more depleted because they're growing inside of you. If it's a parasite, if it's a pathogen, whether or not you have mold, um, it could be a, a number of things. It could be all of the above, which most people, if you've got one, there's usually another one hanging out. So we have to get rid of it, you know, and even for people that, that tend towards um, a, a reaction to mold, we can even get rid of the mold in their body. But if you're still living in an environment where there's mold, it's going to constantly be a problem. Mm -hmm. So the idea is remove the problem, right? And then we'll go in and start to fix what's going on, you know, because sometimes, um, if you've had a parasite, you can end up with leaky gut, right? We have to repair the gut. We have to, you know, start to bring some cohesiveness back to the body, as well as what's going on up here. While we're detoxing the body, we also have to let go of certain thoughts and habits that are no longer serving who you want to become at the end of a detox. You know, detox is not just about, I'm going to clear my body out and that's it. If you still have toxic thoughts, you're still going to be toxic. Mm -hmm. So it's a multi-layered approach. And so fundamentally I start with people's habits and like your habits pretty much dictate who you are. So what are you doing first thing in the morning? You know, are you moving your body? Are you pooping every day? You know, that's where I start with every person. And if you're not, let's address that while we're, you know, dealing with ridding ourselves of these toxins. And then we, of course, you know, you want to regenerate and you want to build the body back up, but only once you've gotten to the to down to where you can, honestly say okay i think we've gotten rid of as much as we can get of right now so now we're going to build you up and what i love about the cell core products is they're building you up at the same time that we're ridding you of toxins mm. so it's a beautiful marriage of how that works and then of course you know repair regenerate restore we want to restore vitality and how do we do that we maintain you know like we said you continue to detox just because you do it once doesn't mean you never do it again Mm -hmm. You know, if so many people were like, oh, I did a detox a few years ago. Okay, well, you're still breathing the same air. You know? <laughs> and if you're still living in a toxic environment, whether that's with um, chemicals, because most of us are, and some of it's out of our control, so we do the best we can with what we have. You know, it's like, I can't control, I live in an old building. I can't control everything about this building. You know, so it's like, what can I do? I can get air purifiers. I can get a water purifier. I can take my 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 detox pro, uh, formulations and just constantly be detoxing and supporting the liver mm -hmm. so it's a yeah. multi-layered approach for sure 
Yeah. So when someone's finally getting to the point where they can rebuild themselves, um, I wanted to tie that into neuroplasticity because you had mentioned that real briefly earlier. And I created a program called Cerebral Detox, which is all about that whole idea, detoxing the body so we can detox our brain and build these new neural pathways. But I, I would love to hear what, what you have to say about all that. So in yoga, when we talk about um, the mind, the mind is the biggest part of yoga, right? It's the biggest, um, it's the ultimate goal is to cease the fluctuations of the mind. So when we start talking about experiences and thoughts, so they create patterns in our mind. And in Ayurveda, that's called, I mean, in yoga, it's called sanskaras. Well, Ayurveda too. Here we call it like thought patterns, right? And the more you have that same thought pattern, the deeper you're going to dig into that, that experience into your thought pattern, if this is making sense. I might not be explaining this as well as I could. So think about how many times a day do you think, um, I'm not worthy, for example. If you said it one time, it won't have a deep impression. If you say it over and over every day, it starts to build this groove into, and then that's the lens that you're constantly looking through. So when we talk about neuroplasticity, we thought in the beginning, years, you know, a while ago, that the mind was stagnant. You couldn't change. It was very, like, concrete, solid. But when we started figuring out, yeah, we can change the way we think. We can change our thought patterns, therefore change our habits and, and how we appear to the world, right, and experience life. So we want to lessen the groove of I am worthless to I am the most amazing person on the planet. And that's the groove you want to be constantly impressing upon to make that deeper impression. And that's what you get to live through versus I'm worthless. You know, I mean, I work with so many women that come um, who have experienced domestic abuse. And so they've been told over and over and over by someone else, which they start to believe. And then those thought patterns, you start to actually believe. And then you live as if that's truth. So mm -hmm. now we get to create a new truth the real truth, which was always there, but it had been overshadowed by these deep impressions of hearing something over and over and experiencing that over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So while we're meditating on these new truths, we're creating new neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the whole idea of neuro, neuroplasticity, correct? Yeah. Create mm -hmm. These new neural pathways. Right. It's, so it's like redirecting, like if you had a fork in the road, right? You have a choice. Which way are you going? Are you going the worthless pathway, which is so heavily dug out? Or are you going to take this new path and create a whole new road to have a journey on? And the mm -hmm. more that you're doing down, if you think about even just walking through a field and so many, or park, and so many people have walked it, you can see where people have walked. Grass doesn't grow anymore, right? That's the common pathway. You don't see where people walk here and there. I mean, not usually. Maybe if it's another pathway that's starting, but you can see the evolution of a pathway. It's the same concept in our minds and in our brains. Mm -hmm. So we can create that, but it's a choice. And we have to be empowered to be making the right choices. It almost seems like that almost has to happen on someone's he healing journey, no matter what. I just, I, it, it, the light just clicked on for me. I mean, it doesn't seem like it's just, for the special people that cerebral detox, right. <laughs> it, it's like it, you have to create those neural pathways to create those new habits, mm -hmm. to 
keep going on your detox journey. This is something that is usually not normal for people. Um, they need to figure out how to make it a part of their lifestyle. So you're constantly having to do new things to get back to really what we should have been doing to the from the beginning of time, right? Um, but um, in in being able to or being forced to like be in that position, if someone really wants to heal at least or recover from an, an illness or or something like that, then you have to keep like redirecting yourself and redirecting yourself. And it's, it's, and then as someone does that, it's, it's so much easier. I mean, it, I didn't grow microgreens overnight. <laughs> it took me like nine years. <laughs> right. Not right. that I suggest that, but you know, I was on my journey and figuring out life. Um, you know, but I had other things that I was able to pick up sooner and I had breakthroughs and then, and then I did the next thing and then it's like, okay, you keep working at this and that becomes easier. And then that you keep working on the next thing that becomes easier and really, as you're doing, you keep working on each thing, you're building a neural pathway. And in order to peel those next layers of detox that we have to, that we need to do to keep digging deeper, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that we have to create new neural pathways in order to do that. Because, I mean, the next time you do something, it might be so out of the box that it's just not, it doesn't make any sense. Like, why do I need a parasite cleanse now? You know, <laughs> like getting over the fact that you might have worms in your body. Right. You know? And then this comes in the way and they're like, but that, that scares me. I'm not going to do that. Right. And then yeah. fear comes in. It's like, well, we have to just push beyond the fear. And, you know, as a health coach, it's one of those things. It's like in the beginning of any health journey, you are pulling these people along and they are resisting you so much. There's so many growth opportunities popping up and, and just going through them. And, but, but then you get through enough of them and now you've started that pathway. Now you're going this way. So now they start to make better choices, right? We didn't learn to brush our teeth overnight. It was constantly being drilled into us by our parents. Have you brushed your teeth? <laughs> brush your teeth. Brush, you know, I'm a mother. I probably said that five million times in my life. So it's <laughs> like, but we built up that habit, which, which, you know, it started with that thought. Everything starts with a thought, right? You can't even change who you are if you don't even know, like, who is it that you want to be? What is it? This is one of the first things I do when I work with somebody. I'm like, who do you want to be? Who is this person? What is she wearing? Where is she hanging out? Who is she dating? Um, what foods are she eating? What's she growing in her house? Every down to the detail. Okay, now let's reverse engineer that. Now we know where we're going. And here's the pathway we're going to take. And it's a lot of different choices than what you've been making that brought you here with chronic disease and you know, barely being able to get out of bed. We, we have to let that go. They're not serving you anymore. They might serve someone else. But these habits are no longer serving you. So now we're going to create new patterns, new habits, new rituals, however you want to look at it, to take you where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, let's shift gears a little bit. I love neuroplasticity. So I love that you, you talked about all that. I mentioned that as well earlier. Um, but you talk a lot about oil and how we can use that in many different ways. Um, let's see if I can say this right. I I, Abu, Abu, <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Tell me how to say this word again. More Abiyanga. oil massage. Abiyanga. Abiyanga. Okay, Abiyanga. One day I will be able to say that like mm -hmm. you do so beautifully. So what is that? So Abiyanga is a warm oil massage. Traditionally, it's done with two therapists. Um, they simultaneously have a rhythm that they work on a, on a client with. Um, but the way we do it with ourselves is we warm up some oil. And, you know, choosing whichever oil is appropriate for your dosha and the season, depending on what you're experiencing. 
and you just massage your body. You just rub it on your body and you let it soak in. And then you shower, right, without washing. And it's like it's, it's cleansing as well as moisturizing and nourishing for the body. It's really good for the joints. Um, but one of the biggest things you get from Abhyanga is you get to love your body. You know, how many people are like, oh, I wish I had different legs or I wish my arms were different. I wish I had this, right? It's like, well, this brings you back to self and back to appreciating every single nook and cranny and, and freckle and dot and wrinkle that you have and just enjoying and embracing it. It's a beautiful practice and it's very um, nourishing for the body and relaxing. So a lot of people tend to find after they do it a few times, they're like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine life without this. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so you heat up some oil so it's slightly warm. Slightly warm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and then, then you just rub it all over. You rub it, you do long strokes on the bones, and then on the joints, you'll do circles, right? Mm -hmm. This is just, I mean, general. And do what feels right. I don't go into, like, the, the logistics of what an Abhyanga officially looks like. It's like, what feels right for you right now? You may spend more time if you've worked out. Let's say you did a leg workout. You may want to spend more time on your legs or your hips or your knees or your feet or your neck. But is it like oil pulling where it's pulling toxins out? It can. I mean, but it also gets absorbed. So you're oh, absorbing. Right. Yeah. So it's absorbing into the cells of the body. And we know the skin is the largest organ. So when you're using oils, um, you want to make sure that they're organic, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Because we want to avoid the toxins going onto the skin because that's, that's a whole other conversation about, you know, skincare and beauty products and all of that stuff. So yeah, so you don't want to use toxic oily lotion <laughs> or toxic lotion, I should say, in general, right. uh, that, that this is not a good Abhyanga. <laughs> no, and, and the thing about Abhyanga is people are like, oh, I don't want to be oily. Do it before you get in the shower and just rinse it off. Your skin will feel soft. I mean, it feels amazing. And if you're, if you're more of the vata, dry constitution, maybe let it soak in for like 10, 20 minutes. Go meditate or do whatever you know i wish i did that when i lived in las vegas mm -hmm. i know right <laughs> you just wow. mad everyone there is dry <laughs> oh, yeah. even if you're oily you're dry <laughs> intense for sure yeah yeah now you also do uh, an oil treatment in the nose nasia yeah so there's different oils ghee is a really good one if you have sesame oil that's another good one and just lying your head back over like a pillow or over the edge of the bed and doing a drop in each nostril and you know as you would with any um sinus uh treatment and if you're kapha maybe if you're having congestion it's not recommended once again this is so personalized and even when you when you go see a vadya or an ayurvedic doctor they will prescribe you a certain oil based on what you need so it's so interesting when I think about the nasal spray coming out, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to nasal spray and then do Nasia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what Cellcore comes out as well. For those of you guys that don't know what she's talking about, Cellcore is coming out with a, a nasal spray that apparently will get worms out of people's head as well. <laughs> you want to talk about cerebral detox? <laughs> get those well, worms out of your brain. <laughs> and you know, the reason that we do this Nasia is to get to the glymphatic system that runs mm -hmm. across the head. So they knew that there was a, a glymphatic system and a lymphatic system. And to access it, they would 
I mean, there's all kinds of things that they do, but this is one of them. And you just put the oil in and then you just massage up your forehead and try to get it up as high into your head as you can. And it's really good for the eyes. Um, it can help a lot with headaches. If it's not a coffee driven headache, and this is where I don't recommend doing this, if, unless you've talked to a practitioner um, so they can guide you because it can aggravate a, a kapha a kapha issue oil is not what they would recommend so that's when you go back to saline or a neti pot wait so kapha that's water and or kapha is yeah. the dry no no kapha kapha is, is dry. yeah the it's oily they're heavy tend to carry uh, mucus grounded structurally yeah the vases okay. are the ones <laughs> <laughs> we tend to float up here a little bit. I got this, so um, there's that. We tend to be forgetful, erratic. We all know people of each dominant dosha. So it's interesting when when I first started learning about this, I was like, this is the best tool to deal with people, right? If I know a pitta person, they tend to run and they're out of balance. They tend to run hot. They're very intense. They can anger really fast. Why would I want to start a fight with somebody like that, knowing? Now I'm standing in this wisdom state of like, ooh, I'm not pushing this any further. I just know you're being pitta. <laughs> I'm going to let you be pitta, right? I'm going to be me over here allowing you. And, you know, the pitta me wants to go back at it, but nothing ever good comes of that. Right? <laughs> you get to learn people's personalities, and then you get to navigate humans in such a more beautiful way. You're so much more accepting of people. It's like, oh, you're just kapha. Come back out here. <laughs> You know, or you're Vata, let me ground you because you're uh, today. So, yeah, it gets yeah. Fun. I remember having that conversation with you about, you know, how you're so good with people. And you're like, well, you know, when you understand them, you know, it, it helps to to not feel, you know, to be so judgmental and, and to be uh, yes. reactive. Knowing these doshas and these qualities, we get to experience people on a totally non-judgmental level and, and way more accepting. And it's just mm -hmm. beautiful. It's beautiful. Relationships become so much better. And you know more about yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, you know, this is when I'll be like, I'll, be I'll tell my boyfriend, I'm just, I'm having a Vata moment right now. Just, you know, ah, let me get it out. Let me get it out. Uh, so, so this is the secret to a happy marriage then. <laughs> yeah, there's love languages or there's dosha court, you know. I will right. say one of the things I learned recently and when I was in India a couple years ago, the arranged marriages in India are actually so beautifully done. They're based mm -hmm. on Vedic astrology. And there's so much to this. I don't know much about Vedic astrology at all. It's a whole nother Pandora's box. But there's so much behind it and there's so many layers to why two people are chosen for each other and mm. universally they're connected. So that's why, and I'm like, it's funny as Westerners, we judge that. Oh my God, how could you deal with arranged marriage? Blah, blah, blah. We have free love. But I'm like, look at the divorce rate here. You know, I'm one of them. It's like, it doesn't work when you get to choose yourself. <laughs> Let the universe choose for me. Give me what are the stars saying, you know? So it's a very interesting idea. And I thought it was so beautiful. When you understand it, it's beautiful. It is, it's almost like a science and math equation. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's great understand. It's such a great appreciation for that now. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you came on the show and I was able to pick your brain about this a little bit. And I'm sure we can chat all day about Ayurveda and you tell me all the intricacies that 
I know I need to learn at some point. But um, can you tell the listeners where they can find you if they would like to pick your brain as well? Yeah. <laughs> so my site is tracyjstoniker.com. So it's T-R-A-C-Y-J-S-T-O-N-A-K-E-R.com. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, all Tracy J. Stoniker. Make it pretty easy. Right. I mean, that's, that's what I did too. I was like, you know what? My podcast, everything is named the, the wellness trinity. <laughs> Why am I going to make this hard on people? <laughs> I know. I don't want to confuse people. I'm already, you know, as a Vata, we get confused easy enough. So. <laughs> I think I'm a Vata too. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you would say I'm a Vata? <laughs> like, okay. All right. Now I need to learn what Vata means. I think my husband's a Pitta. We're going to have uh, yes. I think Wait, we're, we're going to have to learn how to accept certain things and, and we'll be, we'll be good. Well, but. the beautiful thing is, you know, you're dominated by one dosha, but you have, like I said, all of them in you, because if you didn't have pizza in you, you wouldn't digest food. So the vata is the space of our body. The pitta is the transformation of cell turnover of, of digestion and growing, right? And then you look at the kapha, it's the bones, it's the skin, it's the physical structure. So it's in all three are in us, but to varying degrees. So for those of us that tend to be lighter and thinner and wispier and up here, that's more of a vata quality, right? Pitta people are going to be strong and sturdy. And then the kapha people are going to be a little heavier set. They're going to be bigger. So it's, you know, and none of them are bad. Actually, my, my um, teacher said that He's like, if there was one dosha, and he is this, so he says this jokingly, if there's dosha I'd want to be, it's pitta And he is, because he's like, they're the most robust, strong immune system of the people. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not that. <laughs> that work to do. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Well, thanks again for coming on the show and sharing your information. And thank you listeners for watching. We will return again. And I appreciate you guys so much. Um, you know, it's a blessing that for, for me and Tracy and, and all the practitioners that come on the show to share their wisdom and be able to, to help bless you and, and help you find answers to your, your health challenges. So have a nice day, maximum blessings, and we will return again. I'm Dr. Jacqueline. I'm here so you know. My super immunity boost juice guide is now available on thewellnesstrinity.com. You'll learn how to grow broccoli microgreens the ingredients I put in my green juice, and super nutritious supplements you can add to enhance your immune system. Again, go to thewellnesstrain.com and you'll receive your free Super Immunity Boost Juice Guide. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity Podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.